You're listening to the New Hope Church podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Randy Spade. My name is Randy. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope, and uh, we have several visitors here, so let me just explain what we've been doing. You've heard four different people stand up and say, my name is so-and-so, I'm one of the pastors. Um, As you mill around, because after the morning service, don't run right out, there will be a bunch of people. Just find somebody and talk to them. Assume they are a pastor. (laughs) That's the safest thing to do. Our structure, there is no one pastor who's senior pastor. We don't have a teaching pastor. We don't have care pastor. We, We all kind of do it all. We do whatever need. We We are pastors of you. So whatever you need, we'll try to meet that. Having said that, today uh, we continue on in our study of the push and the pull. We're working our way through 1 Corinthians. And today we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And today, we're going to talk about marriage, we're going to talk about divorce, remarriage, we're going to talk about singleness, celibacy, sex, circumcision, and slavery. Now, Zach and I split most of the teaching, and I wanted Zach to preach this one, but no... That's a lie. Uh, Zach actually offered. He said, hey, I got this. I said, no, actually, I want to preach it. And, and let me tell you why. The reason I wanted to preach it is because I have questions. And I wanted answers. And I knew that one way to get the answers is to do a sermon on this. Because then I have to dig deep, study, and figure out what's going on. So uh, let's tear into 1 Corinthians chapter 7. First thing, we need to understand the cultural pull of Paul's day. Roman marriages were not like marriages today. They were primarily for social status. They had little to do with love. Instead, their purpose was to further an individual's social status to provide an environment for raising children. Paul comes on the scene in 1 Corinthians 7 and he says, oh, no, 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 no. Marriage is so much more than that. He says, not clearly here, but it's understood here, but he does say elsewhere, marriage is about love. Marriage is learning to love your spouse, learning to love each other, just like Christ loved the church. Marriages in Rome were arranged. By and large, it was not two individuals coming together and saying, I love you, you love me, Uh, let's get married. Instead, it was a father and a father coming together saying, hey, your daughter 
would be a handy addition for my wife. Your son would be socially good for my daughter. As an end result, each partner sought to use the other partner for their own personal well-being. As a result, there was frequently open animosity, even hatred between husband and wife. Paul says marriage is so much more than that. Marriage is about giving yourself away to another person. Marriage is about serving another person. In Rome, a husband owned his wife. They even had a term for it. You look at what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 7. There is no ownership here. Man and wife are equals before the Lord. Each one of them has responsibility. Each one of them has things that they bring to the marriage. And then lastly, there was no ceremony. Today, last week, my grandson got married and they had a big ceremony. So much so that we had to come together the day before and practice the ceremony. Now, all of you have gone through that. and You know what it is that I'm talking about. The ceremony is a big deal, but not in 1 Corinthians 7. In fact, in Rome, a couple just came together and started to live, live together. There was no ceremony, no legal contract that bound them, and so divorce was just as easy. The way they divorced is they just said, hey, it's over. And that was it. Now, the ceremony, and we need to understand this, the ceremony that we do today, it's a good thing. I'm glad that we do it. We need to do that. But it's primarily a civil thing. We do it because of the nation we live in, because of the laws of this nation, and the culture that we live in. The ceremony itself is not an instruction in Scripture. So, let's get started in the passage. First verse, 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Regarding the questions you ask in your letter, this is Paul writing to them. So apparently, they had written Paul a letter. And that letter contains several questions. Last week I mentioned that 1 Corinthians is not the first letter that Paul wrote, it's the second letter. Because 1 Corinthians later refers to a letter that he had sent them. Actually there are four letters that we know of between Paul and the Corinthian church. There's probably more. We have the second and the fourth. And there was correspondence in between each one that came from the Corinthians to Paul. They sent him a letter. They had questions. Judging by the answers that he gives, apparently they ask about sexual immorality. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago that the temple of Hera was in Corinth. She was the goddess of marriage and sexuality. And there was quite a bit of promiscuity in Corinth. So they wrote to Paul asking about that. Is that right? Is it okay? 
they ask questions about young people in the church, and they ask specifically, should young people marry? Huh. Now, you would think that that's a very strange question, but it was very real to them. They were convinced that the Lord Jesus was coming very, very soon. And so their question was, do we even want to marry knowing that the Lord is near? The questions are very, very genuine concerns. Paul treats them seriously. But Paul's answers, especially in this chapter, are so different from the kind of answers that he gives elsewhere. Usually, I'm used to seeing Paul say yes or no. And we get a little bit about that here. But it's different. So Paul says, 1 Corinthians 7.10, a wife must not leave her husband. And then just a verse later, she's, he says, the husband must not leave his wife. Now, apparently, this is an answer to a question. May a couple divorce? And it sounds very much like Paul is saying no. No divorce. A wife should not leave her husband. The husband should not leave his wife. But in between those statements, Paul says this. But if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him. He backs off. So it looks like he's saying no, no divorce. But if and when she does divorce him, do this. Now that's not the only issue that Paul says this about in chapter 7. A couple of verses later on, verse 27, he says, if you have a wife, don't seek to end the marriage. If you don't have a wife, don't seek to get married. Are you single? Good. Stay that way. Paul says that. Stay that way. Just like me. Again, very, very definite statements. But right after that, Paul says, but if you do get married, it's not a sin. If a young woman gets married, it's not a sin. What in the world is going on here? That sounds like Paul says, no, absolutely not. And then he says, but you know, if you do, just take this into consideration. And then again, oh man, if you're single, say single. But you know, if you marry, it is okay. It's not a sin. Here's the issue. Paul is looking at the cultural concept of marriage. At that time, and we can look at the cultural concept of marriage in our time, culture affects our views of marriage. Culture affects our views of sexuality. Just watch TV for 15 minutes. And you'll see that if you have the right toothpaste, you will be sexier. <laughs> yeah, right. 
Paul says culture affects us. He's absolutely right. And because of that, I kind of get the idea that Paul is saying, you know, it's hard to lay down hard and fast rules that apply across the board. Each case is different, and you have to take each case by itself. But Paul does say there are some basic concepts that are true no matter what, no matter when, no matter which culture. There are some essential concepts that if you get those right, the rest of it will work out. So let's take a look at the first concept. And please forgive me for the very frank nature of Paul. This is Paul, it's not me, okay? You got a complaint, take it up with him, not me. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. And the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Yes, it says exactly what it looks like it's saying. But Paul explains, the wife gives authority over her body to her husband. The husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Now this is very, very basic. And I got, I got two things that are running through my mind right now. One is the number of kids in this room. <laughs> <clears throat> Two, it's the fact that not all of us are married. In fact, less than half of us seated in here are married. So what about you all? Well, here's the reality. This doesn't just affect marriage. It affects our relationship. The basic concept that Paul is getting at here is not to focus on yourself. That's what our culture does. If you look at what the culture says about sex and sexuality, it's all about what pleases me. Paul says, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. Don't focus on yourself. Focus on your spouse. Don't focus on yourself. Focus on your friend. Focus on the other person in that relationship that you're with. It's not about what's best for you. It's about what you can do for them. We've come to believe because of culture that sex is a basic human need. Almost a basic human right. And it is self-gratification. Paul says it's not that at all. A husband should meet his wife's need. A wife should meet her husband's need. Because it's not about you. It's about them. It's not about you and your friendships. What can you do to help your friend? It's not about you and your family. What can you do to help your family? What Paul is saying is, give yourself away. Don't focus on yourself. Learn how to serve. 
Learn how to serve. Jesus came. The Lord and master of the universe, the creator of everything that we see around us. And what did he call himself? He said, I'm a servant. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. In fact, I came to give myself away as a ransom for anybody who needed freedom from sin. And guess what? That's all of us. Now, it's in this context that I do want to take a little bit of a side trip and talk about divorce. We need to understand divorce in this context. So let's look at what Paul says. Husband should not leave his wife. A wife should not leave her husband. Paul is saying that divorce is not God's will. But Paul recognizes that we live in a broken world. And so he says, divorce is not God's will, but you know what? Abuse is not God's will either. In fact, adultery is not God's will. Abandonment is not God's will. Simple selfishness is not God's will. So what do we do when abuse, adultery, abandonment, or just plain self-centeredness creeps into a marriage? Something's going to break. It seems to me that Paul is saying, does God want you to divorce? No, he doesn't. But divorce is a reality that we live with. Because of this, because there is abuse, because there is adultery, because there is abandonment, because there is selfishness, we can't control that. That's around us. We have to learn how to adapt, how to live with the broken world in which we live. Ideally, everything would work out Everything would be great. We would all love each other. We'd all get along, but we don't. Because abuse happens, adultery happens, simple selfishness happens. Paul says, yeah, God doesn't want you to get divorced, but sometimes it's going to happen. Now, I want to clarify just a little bit further. Let's talk about abuse. If you are in an abusive relationship, get out, get out now. If you need help getting out, call us. We'll help you get out. Get out of an abusive relationship. Have you been abandoned? Get help. Call us. Let us know. We may be able to help. We can certainly find someone who can help. But you need to care for yourself and for your family. Has there been adultery 
Or maybe it's just selfishness. My advice would be, work on it. Now you both have to work. And there comes times when one party or the other says, no, that's it, I'm done. And the marriage is over and divorce happens. Is that God's will? No, it was never God's will, but it happens. Because sin is not God's will. And we live in a world full of sin. Paul recognizes that in a broken world, things don't always work like we want them to work. Divorce is just a reality that we must deal with. So if a person divorces, can they remarry? Well, you know, Paul made some definite statements here. He said, uh, yeah, if, uh, if uh, right here in this passage, he says that if uh, a wife divorces her husband, she should remain single. Either that or be reconciled to her husband. I think that's probably intended to be true for uh, the husband as well. But Paul also says, if you're single, you shouldn't marry. That's the very same passage. The very same Paul. And Paul also says, if you're single, you shouldn't marry. But if you can't stay single and you get married, it's okay. In the Old Testament, the whole purpose of divorce was to allow remarriage. Did you know that? Remarriage is assumed when we come to the New Testament. So is Paul saying, hey, it's okay, just do whatever you want? Get married whenever you want, divorce whenever you want, it's really okay. No, I don't think Paul is saying that either. What I think he's saying is that marriage, like God wants, requires certain efforts on the part of both parties. If you go through a divorce, it's because something broke down. Figure out what that something was and change it. Learn. Be better so that when the time for remarriage comes around, you're not going to make the same mistakes that you did the first time and lead to a second divorce. Y'all know the statistics about the higher incidence of divorce in remarriages. A divorced person who remarries is much more likely to continue to get divorced. Paul says, don't, don't do that. Figure out what went wrong and change it. Be different. So Paul goes, Paul goes on, and he begins to describe what a real marriage should be. And again, remember, it's not just marriage. It's your relationship with your friends, with your family. Chapter 7, verse 14, Paul says, the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage. The believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Second basic concept, bring Jesus into your relationships. 
Don't leave Jesus on the outside as an afterthought. That should be the first thought in your marriage, in your friendships, in your family. How can I introduce Jesus into this relationship? Third basic concept, verses 33 and 34. The married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. A married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. Each party brings in um, I'm sorry, I just got tickled. <laughs> Each party has responsibilities in this marriage. So what we need to learn from that is we have to learn how to serve. We have to learn how to serve our spouse or learn how to serve our friends. Paul goes on. Verses 29 to 31. Paul says, but let me say this, dear brothers and sisters, the time that remains is very short. From now on, those with wives shouldn't focus only on their marriage. Those who weep or rejoice or who buy things shouldn't be absorbed by their weeping or their joy in their possessions. Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them for this world as we know it will soon pass away. Paul says, don't just focus on the other person. There is a different focus. You know what that different focus is? Verse 19, Paul says the important thing is to keep God's commandments. Our basic concept number four, focus on the kingdom. Let's take a look back at those concepts. Don't focus on yourself. Bring Jesus into the circle of relationships, whether that's married relationship or friendships. Serve. Learn how to serve. Focus on the kingdom. You know, We've been talking about the push and the pull. Culture, society, the world that we live us wants to pull us in a particular direction. That direction typically is all about you. What is best for you? What Paul says is we need to learn to focus on him. Focus on the kingdom. Because it's when we do that that the rest of the world around us begins to fall into place. Would you pray with me? Lord, we know, we know that focusing on your kingdom is an extremely difficult thing to do. One of the reasons it's difficult is because the world that we live in wants us to focus on ourselves and the enemy who sits on our shoulder 
whispering in our ear tells us that's not such a bad idea. Focus on yourself. It is all about you. Lord, we've talked about horrible, horrible things, things that are painful, things that we have experienced. I don't know, maybe some of us here outside of me had questions going into this. Lord, help us to see your answers. Direct us, Lord. Give us wisdom to live in the broken world that we live in and help us to focus on your kingdom. We ask it in your name. Amen. We're going to take a few moments to respond to God's word this morning. Because where relationships come into play, I think we've all got a lot to think about and work through as we confront, as we're confronted by God's word. So let's take a few moments and just meditate and seek God's will for our lives as we consider these couple of questions this morning. The first is this, that how does God want you to be more like Jesus today? Like Randy was saying, the culture wants us to put the focus and the attention on us. But Jesus wants us to focus on others. So what in our lives today needs to change to be more like him? action do we need to take? What can we do right now, today, to be more like Jesus? Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.